0: Uh, Build our understanding of the deep love that God has for us and has for you this morning. So let's pray together. God, we thank you. We glorify you in this place. Or we pray that as we hear from your word, from your scripture, we pray that we would have soft hearts and open minds. God, right now, if there's anything right now that's speaking into us to distract us, we pray you would remove that. And God, that you would just allow us to hear from your word this morning and really change our lives in your name. Amen. Can we get up for the worship band this morning? Thank you, worship team. Amen. Like I said, this morning is Palm Sunday, and I, I should have thought to bring palm branches. I'm from a state where we would have to, like, order them in bulk anytime, and now I just go into my yard and can cut them off, but I didn't think to bring it because um, I normally don't have them. But the this week is really big, Holy Week or Passion Week is a huge week, it's the week of the triumphal entry, right, it's the week um, that massive portions of the gospel are given to right, like almost half of the book of John is given to this week, and it's such an important week for us, and this is the week where Jesus celebrates Passover, this is the week where he is uh, crucified on Good Friday and I know some of us are like, Good Friday is the worst name, but it's a very important name. And that's why on Good Friday, I just wanna invite you guys seven o'clock here We're gonna do a worship service on Good Friday, worship, prayer, and communion. So I wanna encourage you at the end of a crazy Easter week, I know for our team, this week's gonna be crazy, and I know we're really gonna need Friday to be really reset our hearts on the purpose and what we're really believing for. So I wanna invite you guys, seven o'clock here, there's gonna be worship, prayer, and communion. Please make that a priority in your life, if you can, to be a part of worship and prayer. Um, You will never regret spending time in worship and prayer. It's probably the best time you can invest this week. So, uh, And my hope today, beyond that sideline, my hope today is that we would get a deeper understanding of not only Holy Week, not only Palm Sunday, but a deeper understanding of the Father's love for us. And can I tell you that... Sometimes we think of these things like Holy Week or Palm Sunday or liturgical elements or classical thinking or tradition, and we think that's only for, you know, Jewish people, that's only for maybe the more traditionally inclined Christians. But can I tell you, the the deeper understanding we have of some of these things, the deeper understanding it it can give us personally. And So my hope is today that you would leave saying, why does Palm Sunday matter to me personally? Why does it matter to me personally why what does it mean to me and so it's interesting anytime we enter into holy week or this time i start getting asked questions and if you interact with people you you can hear some of these questions and one of the questions that i think is the most important that you can ask right now is why did jesus have to die not why did he, write? Why did he have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? And it's an important question. Why did Jesus Christ have to die on a cross for our sins, right? See, these are the, some of the questions because we begin to encounter these elements, right? Uh, one of the questions that I'll, I'll hear is why is the church always talking about blood, Right? The early church got mistaken uh, by a couple historical writers for being uh, cannibals because they were like, yeah, we eat the, the blood and the body. And they were like, really? You do? And they're like, oh, no, it's communion. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but why is the church obsessed with blood? Isn't it a little primitive to serve a God that requires a blood sacrifice? Why is the church so obsessed w- with blood? Why is uh, this such a big deal? Why is Easter such a big deal? Deal. I mean, honestly, why does the church get so worked up? Why do we work so hard? Why do we work these long nights? Why do we why do we push so hard for this day? Why is Easter a big deal? Why should you care? I, I remember it was kind of in vogue uh, for a while for uh, people to, to not make a big deal of holidays. It's like, well, we shouldn't celebrate Christmas because really it's alias and it's recognizing the pagan elements and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, man, you gotta be fun at parties. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, remind me not to invite you. Um, You can celebrate not Christmas at home. Uh, We're going to be partying. (laughs) But that was kind of in vogue, right? Why, you know, why does, I've heard pastors say, why does the church got to make a big deal about Easter, right? Shouldn't we be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus every day? To which I would say, yeah, you're right, but. That's boring. Uh, But I think that I would say that, yes, we recognize the resurrection of Jesus every day, but for us, this week stands supreme as our Super Bowl. The church that we came from, we would use this this terminology, the Super Bowl, and I really think Easter stands as the Super Bowl, the the big deal for the church. Think about the Super Bowl for a second, Uh, in in that people stop, and we had like 40-something odd people shoved in my parents' house to watch the Eagles and the Patriots, like two teams I couldn't hate more. And I'm just rooting for Nick Foles. (laughs) And like, I don't know, who knows? Like, does anyone on this team serve Jesus? All right, they have (laughs) them. Sure, whatever. And it it doesn't even matter. In 10 years, no one's gonna care at all about Wentz or Foles, no one's gonna care. Like, except for the people in Philadelphia who are always gonna remember and never let you forget. But but the whole world stops for this moment And can I tell you, we as a church make a big deal about Easter because for us, this is the Super Bowl. This is the week that we remember that in the end, Jesus wins. And because Jesus wins, in the end, you win. Right in the end we win so for us we will always make a big deal about Easter and we will always work to expand our understanding of Easter because we want to know more we want to celebrate more we want to get a hold of more of the love of Jesus and so this morning I want I want to do that because I think that we can miss why Easter is a big deal if we just ignore the context and I think the context, the historical context of why Easter is a big deal it is incredible because, can I tell you, Easter was not a quick fix or a patch. Easter was not a plan B. I think Easter is the greatest poetic brilliance that has been formulated for the, from the beginning of time that God would look down and in a beautiful moment of love, would send his son. And so I, I think, in order for us to have a deeper understanding of how powerfully God loves us, we have to have a better understanding of Easter. And in order to have a better understanding of Easter, we have to have a better understanding of Palm Sunday. So that's what I want to do this morning. Talk about a better understanding of Palm Sunday. Has anyone ever wondered why you can't ever plan Easter? Right? Has everyone ever wondered, like, I know personally, December 25th, till I die, what's happening? Right, like, I know what's gonna happen. Fourth of July, I'm grilling for freedom till the day I die. So God takes me home, we're going steaks, brats, burgers, fireworks. (laughs) They don't let you do them, but we still do them, it's fine, don't record that part. Uh, (laughs) But we go for it, you know, uh, and, and I know July 4th, I know that day, but why does Easter always move around? Easter is that one friend kind of feels like that you kind of look at your wife and you're like, where is, where is Chris bent? Like, where is Easter this year? Like, what is that like? You try to plan your family vacations, it doesn't line up. Who knows when spring break is? I don't. It's just chaos. <laughs> and so for, for those that like that kind of stuff, I want to explain uh, why Easter lands where it lands, because I think it's important. Are you guys ready for this? Any, like, history info buffs? Anybody that loves, like, trivia, all that stuff? Anyone there? Okay, good. This is going to make, you're just going to crush some Easter trivia if you're ever in (laughs) somewhere that does that. Please text me if you find that place. That'd be weird. Um, But Easter is determined based off the lunar calendar. And Easter always follows Passover, So when is Passover? Here we go. Here is Passover. Passover is the first Thursday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. Of course. Yeah, of course, right? Duh. (laughs) We all knew that. So Passover is the first Thursday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. Write that down. You can impress whoever wasn't here and be like, guess what I really deduced this morning. But the vernal equinox is the day that the sun crosses the equator. It's also known as the first day of spring. For us, uh, I think that would have been March 20th. And so the lunar calendar is what tells us the vernal equinox for spring, the autumnal equinox, uh, the winter solstice for the least sunlight. That was my least favorite day in Seattle. And the summer solstice, the most sunlight. That's my least favorite day here. So I'm going to give you a day here to be out of town. June 21st, be gone. <laughs> be out of town that day because it's the most heat. When you're like, why is it like 100, 100, 122? That's why. Sun so just got more time. It got to jump on you. It's trying to burn you out. So pray for rain that day, prayer team. But uh, so the date of Easter always follows Passover, and Passover is the first Thursday after the f- first full moon after the vernal equinox. So this is why Passover is important, because in order to understand the depth of love for Easter, it, it really, we need to understand what's happening on Palm Sunday. And so because Palm Sunday falls when it falls, in order to understand Palm Sunday, we got to understand. Passover. So do you know what Passover is? What is Passover? For those of you, you're probably like, I know what Passover is, guy. But I'm going to explain it for those who don't, because it's still brilliant and it's still beautiful. But Passover is basically, it's a festival where the Israelites, Jewish people would celebrate their freedom, their deliverance by the hands of God, their deliverance from slavery in Egypt. And so a couple thousand years ago, uh, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and in their slavery and in their captivity, they began to cry out to God using this word, Hosanna. And the word Hosanna means God save us. And so the people would, they would gather together and they would shout Hosanna. They would shout God save us. They would cry out Hosanna, Hosanna amidst their slavery. And so here's what they would do, and let's do this together, is that someone would begin to define Hosanna. They would say something like, God save us, or God rescue us, or God deliver us. So when someone, when they would lead the chant, someone would say, God save us, and the people would reply, Hosanna. So let's do this this morning. When I define Hosanna, we're going we're gonna to work it together here. When I define Hosanna, you just shout Hosanna. So everyone try saying Hosanna one time. Perfect. So they would get together and they would cry, God, save us. God, rescue us. And one one good last time, God, deliver us. Right on. Good job. Give yourself a round of applause. That was good. (laughs) And so the children of Israel, they would cry out, God, save us. Woo, gotcha. (laughs) The children of Israel would cry out, God, save us awesome and in their captivity god heard their prayers and so god sends them moses and moses comes as a prophet as a leader as a guider comes from the lord and he goes to pharaoh right in egypt and he asks pharaoh to set the israelites free and I'm just going to kind of sum up this. You can read all this if you want on your own. But Moses goes and he asks him to set him free. And Pharaoh absolutely refuses because Pharaoh is not going to let go of his free labor. The Israelites were slaves. There's no reason for Pharaoh to let go of the people. So he refuses. And so God sends 10 plagues on Egypt. And each time Moses would go back to Pharaoh and he would say, set my people free. And Moses would say, not a or Pharaoh would say, not a chance. And so Pharaoh would refuse. God would harden his heart and Pharaoh would refuse. And so finally, God sends the 10th plague. And this is where it gets interesting for us. Is that God warns the people, on this day, an angel of death would go over Egypt and kill the firstborn of every family and the firstborn male of every animal. And he tells the people, if they slaughter a lamb, and put the blood on the doorposts and the frame, that the angel of death will pass over them and it will be a sign to them that they will be rescued, that they will be saved, that the blood will stand as a symbol that they will be passed over, that they will be rescued, that they will be delivered. And so I want to take a look at Exodus 12 because I think uh, we can kind of walk through this really quickly and we'll get a better understanding for why Passover is important. Does everyone remember where Passover is? Passover is the first Thursday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. Keep keep grinding that in. You're going to get it. Uh, But let's open our Bibles, if you have them with you, to Exodus 12. The words will also be on the screen, and we're going to read it together this morning. So, Exodus 12, this is really the, the foundation of Passover here. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is for you, uh, is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. So, catch some of these dates. These dates are important and they're going to start uh, happening here. In some of these numbers, and it's good. Uh, verse 3 Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. So, all these things. They'll kind of start flowing out, and they'll make sense as we go. But on the 10th day, that is known as Lamb Selection Day. So God instructs the people on the 10th day, it's Lamb Selection Day. And he says uh, in verse uh, verse 5, The animal you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Uh, So he says, basically, on the 10th day, lamb selection day, take a perfect, spotless, blameless lamb. Go find one in your flocks and bring it in. And then verse 6, take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. So on the 10th day is lamb selection day, they find a spotless lamb, and then on the 14th day... The community comes together and they slaughter the perfect spotless lamb. Some say uh, without defect, some say perfect, but basically they find a a lamb without blemish and they have it for four days and they slaughter it. And verse 7 says, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the house where they eat the lambs. Notice God hasn't explained to them why they're doing something. Has anyone ever been here in their life where God is telling you what to do and maybe it seems a little odd? You're like, God, I really wish you would lead with the why. Why are we bringing a lamb and letting my children getting attached to it and then killing it. <laughs> like, why, Why? right? So he hasn't explained it, but what is important is that he begins to address the attitude with which you should do it. The attitude in which they should have the heart focus they should have. Uh, verse eight continues, it says, that same night they are to eat the meat roasted over a fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. This is interesting. I love making bread. I just saw that Nick made some insane bread um jonathan just made like conchas the other day like we have some bread makers in our church so respect Uh, but i think in the bread process what i learned in making bread is how crucial yeast is to the bread making process right without yeast it is just dense and it's so heavy and awful too much yeast and it just smells crazy uh but it's it's important that balance so he tells them to make bread without yeast what is he trying to teach them here make bread without yeast He's trying to teach them urgency. See, the people have been crying out, God, save us. Come on, God, rescue us. God, deliver us. And now it's happening, and God says, when you cry out and I answer you, be ready, because it's gonna happen fast. I want you to think of uh, this bread in your life for a second and think, uh, in our lives, sometimes we, we sit around and we wait for the provision that we think is provision, while we're still in slavery, and God is not wanting his people to sit in slavery for a temporary provision when they should be getting ready to go out into the fullness of deliverance, and that if God has called you out, it's happening now, and you don't got time to wait around for the thing that's not going to sustain you anyways, and so he's telling his people, get ready. I think about that in my own life. Did anyone have, I don't know, maybe you're different than me. Do you guys have time to prep for like when God encountered your life? I feel like for me, it was <laughs> it was like now. Like when God encounters you, when God changes you, when God shifts something in your heart and you give your life to follow him, it's like all of a sudden. And then kind of after you got to figure it out. Like what am I supposed to do with this now? <laughs> like how do I live now? <laughs> uh, but it's all of a sudden because God, when he delivers the, The deliverance comes, and he wants his people to be ready. And he says, you don't have to wait around. You don't have time to wait around for this thing to rise up, because I'm going to rise you up. I'm going to raise you up out of Israel and take you to the promised land. Verse 11, he says, here's how you're going to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, with your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Eat it in haste. And and I like that he talks about how they're supposed to be dressed. Basically like you gotta have your jacket on, you gotta have your boots laced up, you gotta have your keys. You can't do that 15, 20 minute dig around the house for your car keys moment when, when deliverance comes. You gotta be ready, ready to go. And he says that you need to eat it fast. Uh, Katie and I had this friend who could literally eat those street tacos in one whole bite. He would just devour them. And, like, we would all be, like, walking to the table. If he got there first, he would be done by the time we sat down. It was really, I don't know, dangerous? Impressive. There we go. Uh, (laughs) But they want to eat it fast. And he's saying... Be ready because when I deliver you, when I rescue you, it's going to happen fast. And I kind of think that way sometimes, this isn't in my notes, but I think that way sometimes when we pray for revival, when we pray for deliverance, God is looking at us saying, do you got your jacket on? Do you have your your shoes ready? Are you living like you really want to see revival? Because what if revival happens and you're just not ready because you have not orchestrated, organized, or prepared your life for actual revival? So if you want revival and you want to pray for the rescuing, salvation, deliverance of the this nation, this city, your life, and your family. Then you got to get dressed for it. You got to get ready for it. You got to live with the haste for it. So not only is he telling Israel, but us too. Are you ready for me to rescue you? Are you ready for me to deliver you? Because get ready, because when it happens, it's going to happen fast. Verse twelve. Continue on in uh, chapter twelve. It says, "On that same night." I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Then the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So here's the form. The 10th day, just remember this, on the 10th day lamb selection day. They find a perfect lamb. On the 14th day, they slaughter the lamb. They take the blood. They wipe it on the doorpost and frame. Death passes over them. And then it says, verse 14, this day you are to commemorate for generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival for the Lord and lasting ordinance. So then they celebrate. So this is what the Israelites actually do, right? On the 10th day, they go out and they scour their flocks. They look through the city. They look through vendors. They find a perfect lamb lamb, a spotless lamb, on the 14th day they slaughter that lamb and they put the blood on the doorpost and they celebrate Passover and the death angel comes and it passes over and it sees the blood that has been shed on their behalf and it passes over them. And then it says there's a great tragedy in Egypt. Because though they were passed over, the Egyptians were not. And so what happens after that? <clears throat> Verse 31, if we skip down it says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses, that very night, so that night, not later in the morning, but that night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, hey, amen, come on, they got Hosanna down. <laughs> they just showed us up, at adult church. Uh, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said, and go, and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country for otherwise they said, we will all die. So the people were delivered out of, G- out of Egypt that night. And when it happened, it happened fast. And God delivered them and they cried out and God heard them and he saved them out of the depths of their bondage and slavery. So that's Passover. The Israelites were instructed to celebrate Passover with a festival. And so basically, for the next 1,500 years, they celebrated on the first Thursday after the first full moon, after the vernal equinox, Passover. And they celebrated this moment that God heard their cry, right? And as an act of remembrance, they would gather together and they would say, God save us. Come on, God save us. God rescue us, God deliver us. And they would cry out to God, God, would you save us? God, would you deliver us? (laughs) Right, and God would send them prophets. And the prophets would come and they would say, listen, God saved you out of this momentary slavery in your life, but now God wants to save you out of an eternal slavery, something that has afflicted mankind since the beginning of time, and God's gonna send you someone to save you from the slavery of sin. And God would send them prophets for 1,500 years and they would celebrate this, and for 1,500 years, they would anxiously celebrate Passover anxiously wait. I mean, just imagine 1,500 years. Like, the country, we're we're like right around 200 here, right? Just take that and magnify it. 1,500 years they cried out. And they were waiting. They thought the salvation was going to be like how it was from Egypt. But they were waiting for God to rescue them. And so now in this moment, Paul Palm Sunday, let's cut 1,500 anxious, waiting, hopeful, sometimes hopeless, but just anxious, waiting, 1,500 years waiting. Cut now to Palm Sunday. It's Passover time. Israel is occupied by the Roman Empire. They're essentially subjugated. They're now in Jerusalem preparing for Passover getting ready. And so what are they doing in Jerusalem? They're going all around to the flocks or or in that time, sometimes the vendors and they are looking, desperately searching for a lamb without blemish, a spotless lamb. They're searching and they're crying out and the whole city is crying out to the Lord and to the shouts of Hosanna, Jesus Christ rides into Jerusalem. To the shouts of God, save us. God rescue us, God deliver us. Jesus enters in to Jerusalem. Matthew 21, eight through nine says, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of them and those that follow shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven get this because I think sometimes it's hard to put ourselves in a perspective when when we've not been there, been a part of it, but I need you to kind of we can try to wrap our minds around it that for 1500 years they had celebrated by seeking out on this day lamb selection day a spotless lamb that would stand for the symbol of their deliverance that would stand for the symbol of their freedom of their rescuing they had searched for 1500 years and in this moment of anxious desperate searching Jesus rides in And God says in one of the greatest moments in all of history, he looks at his people and he says, you are looking for a spotless lamb, but I have brought you a spotless lamb and this lamb will stand forever. What you have been searching for and crying out for, I have brought to you. When John the Baptist saw Jesus early in John, he said, uh, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So why is Palm Sunday such a big deal? I mean, why go through all of this context? I know some people love that kind of stuff. Some people don't. Uh, But why go through all this? Because I believe that in order to understand the fullness, it's not that you can't understand Easter without this, but that to inform a greater understanding of the depth of love God has for us, we got to understand Palm Sunday. Some of us, are thinking, what does Palm Sunday mean to me? Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus came to rescue you. Some of you are like, well, when I gave my heart to follow Christ, he rescued me. Yes. (laughs) But did you know that Jesus came to rescue you before you were a thought in someone's mind, before your parents were a thought in someone's mind? 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to rescue you all the sin that you carry that you think is too heavy jesus beat you to it by centuries he came to rescue you and so when jesus enters into lamb selection day on the 10th day he then gathers with his disciples on thursday for passover And you got to remember when he comes in, people are shouting, right? And they're laying like clothes and branches. I mean, he comes in like a king, comes in on the donkey. He's fulfilling some promises here. And he comes in and then you cut to the Passover and his disciples are amped. If you followed a guy, this is the entrance you want, right? It's like, man, we gave our lives to this guy. And he came in good. People were stoked. Uh, And so they come in and he takes, Jesus does this on, on Passover. He takes the bread and he breaks it and he goes this is my body that's broken for you. And the disciples are a little confused and they're like, you know, <laughs> Jesus, I was at the whole coming into Jerusalem thing. I'm not going to lie. I don't think anybody's going to break your body. Like they seemed pretty amped on you. <laughs> like, you're a big deal. And he says, no, I, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And he takes the, the cup. He says, this represents my blood. And see, they would have understood blood because they were celebrating right, in this moment. They were celebrating Passover. They would have understood. And now in this moment, he makes the great connection in that he says, this, my blood, will be shed for you. Do this in remembrance. And so he's bringing all of these things, 1,500 years of waiting. He's bringing them into this moment. And he's looking at his disciples and he's saying, are you ready? See, that's why this is the week that's our Super Bowl. That's why this week we remember that Jesus came to our rescue. That's why we gather on Good Friday and praise the Lord. That's why we worship him and take communion. And remember, that's why we bring our top three and we pack this place out on Easter. It's not for some visual success. It's because we believe that 2,000 years ago Jesus came to our rescue. And so we gather on Easter. We celebrate on Holy Week that in the end, Jesus wins. In the end, it does not matter how the enemy has tried to stack the deck in his favor. In the end, Jesus wins. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'm, I'm going to invite the band up this morning. I love this verse. If you're thinking, man, what verse should I memorize? You're, you're kind of in a rut. Memorize 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That's a verse, man, if you're gonna commit something to your heart, commit that verse, is that God made him who had no sin, talking about Jesus, the perfect, spotless, unblemished lamb, the perfect, sinless Messiah. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. This is called, if you've ever heard this phrase, substitutionary atonement. It's substitutionary because Jesus died in our place. It's atonement because it means he wiped away or covered, washed to remove. And that Jesus died in our place to pay a debt that we could not pay and give us something that we could not earn. And he died to take away our sins. What is sin? Sin is when you and I put ourselves in God's place. What is salvation? When God put himself in our place. Martin Luther referred to that verse as the great exchange, and I love this quote. He says, that is the mystery which is rich in divine grace to sinners, wherein by a wonderful exchange, our sins are no longer ours, but Christ's, and the righteousness of Christ, not Christ, but ours. He has emptied himself of his righteousness that he might clothe us with it and fill us with it. And he has taken our evils upon himself that he might deliver us from them. In the same manner as he grieved and suffered in our sins and was confounded, in the same manner, we rejoice and glory in his righteousness. Why is it a great exchange? Why is this moment so powerful for us? Because Jesus transferred the debt of our sin onto himself. Is that we come to Jesus, can I tell you church, no matter how great we think we are, we come to Jesus with all that we could bring, our brokenness, our worst moments, our worst thoughts, our failures. And Jesus takes those, our sin, our shame, and he takes them willingly and he takes them to the cross because of the depth of his love for us. He takes our sin upon himself and the weight of the debt of our sin is transferred onto Jesus and he takes it to the cross and in exchange for our brokenness, our shame, our sin, he gives us his righteousness. He gives us His righteousness, so when God, knowing Jesus knows in the end, God's gonna judge the world, but when God comes and He looks at you, when you have stepped into following Christ and He looks at you, He doesn't see your sin or your shame. He doesn't see your brokenness. He doesn't see your issues. He sees the righteousness of Jesus that covers you, the righteousness that stands above you and over you and with you, so He doesn't see your failure. He doesn't see how you have put sin between you and Him. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 518, just before 521 says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, this was God's plan all along. If you can get anything from Palm Sunday, I want you to get this, that this is not a plan B, that God was not winging it, that he was not figuring it out as he went, that it wasn't like, well, guess my son has to die now, that this is not just God trying his best to kind of make it through, but that this is God's infinitely beautiful, loving plan from the dawn of time, before you were even created, God had this plan and that Jesus rides in today today, Jesus rides into town at the greatest crescendo of the greatest love song that has ever been written. He rides into town as people are shouting, and he says, I am here to take your sins and to rescue you. And now, even though it's 2,000 years later, God still already rescued you. He already saved you. He already delivered you. And there's this moment where when we get that understanding, we go, I don't have to stay in this anymore. I can stay out like the Israelites from Egypt and step into the promise because God has come for me this was it this was it for the Israelites right he delivered them for Egypt and for 1,500 years they cried out to God for 1,500 years they waited for that lamb and God knew that one day Jesus Christ would come in as the perfect lamb to take the weight and the debt of all the sins so when death that comes from sin comes it will pass over us because of what jesus has done and he did it why did he do it like verse 18 says to reconcile us to himself through christ god loves you so much that he was willing to sacrifice immensely so that he could restore the communion of love that he has for you father god abba god one wants to restore with you the fullness of the love that he built you to live within and so when Jesus came in 2,000 years, ago, when he rode in, when he rode in on Palm Sunday, he looked at you, though you were thousands of years across, and he said, I love you. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to save you. I'm here to deliver you. Would you stand with me this morning? I love this song that the band sings. I'm very proud of. Jana and the whole team and they just do an incredible job waiting on the Holy Spirit and being directed in their song choice And I love this song who you say I am. It's so powerful Can I tell you this morning? I, I believe That for some of you palm sunday is the day that God wants to say i'm here to rescue you It's the day that god has said i'm here to deliver you i'm here to save you And there are things where you have been in captivity maybe not a literal slavery, but a captivity of bondage to sin, to shame, to brokenness in your life. And God this morning is saying, look, I came 2,000 years ago and I already won that victory. I'm here to rescue you. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? If you're in this place and, and you're hearing the, really the crescendo of the greatest love story that God so beautifully brought in this moment to rescue us, to save us, to deliver us. And you're here today and you're saying, God, I need you to rescue me, to save me, to deliver me. You have never given your heart to the Lord. You have never surrendered your heart to him. And you're saying, God, I'm tired of living for myself. I know that I have brokenness and I wanna just lay it at your feet. Would you take my brokenness and in turn, God, would you just pour your love out on me? I wanna choose to follow you this morning. Would you do me a favor? If that's what you're saying, this morning, I've never given my heart to the Lord, or I've never fully surrendered my heart to God. And for the first time, I want to just say, I surrender my heart to you. God, would you rescue me this morning from my sin? Bring me into the full love of God. Would you just do this with me? Would you, with every eye closed, every head bowed, would you just raise your hand this morning and just lift it up and put it down? Thank you. I'm gonna take a moment. I'm gonna pray for you real quick, just staying in this heart. I believe that God is trying to stir something in your heart this morning so that you can step into deliverance. You can step into freedom. You can step into the fullness of love. And I'm gonna invite you to take a bold step in just a moment and say, if you wanna start Holy Week uh, with a right standing with God, you wanna know that you are in a right relationship with God, or maybe this morning you're in a right relationship with God, but you're like, God, I need you to, to deliver me from this, this thing that is trying to hold me down, distract me, burden me, break me, whatever that is. I'm gonna give you a moment as the band begins to sing the song in just a second. And to give you a moment to come forward and just come to this altar space. It's not important because the tile up here is better than the tile in the back. It's important because you're making a step to say, God, I step into you in your presence and I'm gonna invite you in just a second to make that step after we pray. Say, God, w- w- would you deliver me? God, would you rescue me? Or maybe, God, I just need to set my heart right with you and invite you in just a moment. Let's pray together. God, I pray for those right now in this place. And in fact, if that's you, can you just begin to lift your hand and invite him and say, God, I I need you to rescue me. God, I need you to deliver me. God, I need you to save me. God, I wanna be in right standing with you. God, I wanna be close to you. I wanna enter Holy Week. And I know there's all this craziness in my life, but I wanna be near you. I wanna be in your presence. God, we lift that up to you. That is the cry of our heart. God, that we wanna be in your presence, that we want to be free through you. And like this song says that we are who you say we are. And that when you rode into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, you rode in to say you are no longer ashamed. You are no longer broken. You are no longer pushed aside. You are no longer forgotten. You are no longer hurt. You are no longer trapped in bitterness. You are no longer a slave. You are now who I say you are and who I say you are is a son and daughter of the living God and we receive that Jesus holy